and the Canadians are holding him. Degrasse, can he do it? Yes, he can. Gold to Canada. And after what a difficult season it's been for Degrasse, he tastes gold in the form. Hello and welcome back to the Shakeout Podcast presented by Canadian Running Magazine. As always, I'm your host, David Stahl. And on today's episode of The Rundown, your favorite staff writer, Marley Dickinson, returns to preview the Canadian Cross Country Championships ahead of this weekend. As Canadian Running's Mr. Worldwide himself, Marley will be traveling back up to the nation's capital to cover the race live on the scene. But before he leaves, we had the chance to break down the biggest names and teams to watch out for heading into this championship weekend, including friend of the program, Kieran Lum, as well as how this year's absurdly hard course might affect the outcome. We also touched on the biggest Canadian running stories of the week, including the Philadelphia Marathon causing an uproar after running out of medals, the anniversary of the chain-smoking marathoner who became one of the most popular subjects in Canadian running history, and a bonus shoe review. But first, please enjoy my race preview with Mark. so much for taking the time to give us a little bit of a preview ahead of cross country champs in ottawa this weekend marley you're going to be on the scene how excited are you for what's going to be one of the last major races of the year um i'm absolutely pumped again it's it's everyone's heading to the nation's capital for to to duke it out on 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 grass and mud and it's a very 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 tough course this year and we're going to get cold weather which is going to be what more can you ask for and we were geeking out in the office yesterday maybe for those who don't follow the cross country season super closely they might not know just how stacked a field this is so we're going to get into all the nitty gritty of how the course is going to maybe play a factor we're going to touch on the big names going in initially i'm hoping that you can maybe give us a little bit of a preview as to what individual matchups you're most excited to see heading into the weekend because again a lot of big star names so maybe on the individual men's side are there any matchups that you're looking forward to to seeing come to a head yeah i mean this year's field is pretty deep with the middle distance talent CPT, Charles Philibert Tibito, returning to cross country. And so is uh, 2023 Canadian national champion for the 1500 meters, Kieran Lum. So those two kind of duked it out in the final 150 at nationals this year and July. And they both represented Canada at the 2023 world championships in the 1500. So, I'm, I mean, we're going to see them battled out over 10K uh, on some hills on, on Saturday. So that's going to be that's going to be really cool to see. And uh, both of them haven't been on haven't ran cross country in a while so it should be cool to see who comes out on top seeing them duke it out uh in national champs sort of in that last final stretch too was so electric if people haven't seen that race i highly recommend you youtube it ahead of this weekend because it's going to be another great matchup obviously you mentioned lum got the edge in that race but he's coming back to cross country after a long hiatus i'm wondering who do you think might have the edge between those two big names coming in I think the biggest question for Lum is kind of what shape he's in. I mean, he he was obviously, you know, coming top five in the world at the World Road Mile Championships in early October. If that's, you know, if that's world class and shows that he's got that strength. And I think, you know, uh, as you touched on last week when you spoke to him on that fantastic podcast, is he's he says he's ready for pain and he wants to hurt and wants to challenge himself. And he's kind of eager to tackle the course. So I think the biggest question is what kind of shape he's in. I mean, Charles, you know, you can never count him out. He's always... 
he's a very consistent performer and he's, you know, a gritty racer, likes to race to the front, likes to, you know, kind of push the pace a little bit. So yeah, I think, I think it could come down to a kind of a sprint finish. Like we saw at nationals on the track. And like you mentioned yesterday, we were chatting about in the office as well. And I'd kind of forgotten about this, but when you look at how much of a veteran Charles is in comparison to Kieran, who's just, you know, finishing up his first full pro season. And Charles has obviously been through the gambit for years and years now. We'll see how much that plays a factor as well. Cause Kieran said on last week's podcast, you know, track is about running fast crosses, about running hard. And I'm sure part of that hard racing is the tough mental element of it. So I would be, if I were a runner on that line, I'd be scared to go against CPT this weekend. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of guys you can't count it as well. You know, defending champion Connor Black is coming back. He, he, you know, he was kind of a surprise winner last year in in Ottawa, and you know, it's on the same course. He knows the course well. He he had a bit of bad luck at the at the World Cross Country Championships, catching COVID a few days before and wasn't able to run. And you know, so I think he probably wants that redemption to be on that national team again, so he can. Uh, represent Canada at Worlds and you know I don't think anyone knows the course better than him you know he knows how to dig he says you know last year that he just did a lot of hills kind of leading up to the, the championships and I you know if you have the recipe for the success why change it right a hundred percent and you touched on it there Connor Black part of London Western Track and Field let's take a look at the team element of it because of course that is such a huge part of any cross-country race Curious, do you give the edge to London once again, or are there other teams? Obviously, UBC has put together a fantastic squad. So who is catching your eye from the team aspect? Yeah, I mean, the the men's team competition here at uh, Nationals is going to be absolutely a spectacle to watch. I mean, you have London Western coming in as, as defending champions, you know, it's a group of five or six gritty guys who just train to get it all, all fall. And, you know, they're, they're competitive and they're gamers. I mean, you can't, you can't bet against them. They've, they've won nationals twice now. And, you know, it's, they're just really kind of have that deep up uh, top edge with uh, Phil Ferrara-Gas and Connor Black, Jeremy Kugler, and then Mike Tate. So, you know, it's, it's, they're just completely loaded up at the front and yeah, the, I think some challenges though, you, I mean, you can't count out Laval with CPT, uh, Jean-Simon de Gagné, 2023 youth sports champions, Philip Mono Cartier, Jonathan Tedeschi. So it's all, again, a lot of depth on the Laval squad, but you know, the Thunderbirds have a good, good squad too. Kieran Lum's joining them. You know, they also have Canadian marathon champion, Thomas Broach running in the men's 10 K as well. So, I mean, I think it could be anyone's game really. And, and you know, uh, Royal City also has a really good kind of consistent team out of Guelph. So, I'm, yeah, it's going to be tough to make that podium. You've got me fired up, man. This is star-studded from top to bottom. Who might, in such a loaded field, who might be your sleeper pick, maybe on the individual side and on the team side for the men? I have a, I think on the men's side, I have a few actually. Mitch Eubin uh, at Royal City, obviously, U Sports champion in uh, 2021. You know, he's been running well post collegiately. He's kind of been up there in that top five at sort of a lot of national meets. I think he could potentially make the top three and and kind of maybe even top two. And, and you know, if he can kind of get away with it, he could take the win. But also, I, you know, can't count out Laval's uh, Phil Marnero Cartier. He's been undefeated this season on the U Sports circuit you know obviously he's going to face a lot more kind of depth here at acxc but with coming coming in with that son of title you know you got to have a bit of confidence max turek out of uh, harbor track and won the canadian uh 
U Sports Championships in 2022 uh, with McMaster and the individual title. You know, he was he was up there last year, top five last year. So, I mean, he knows the course well and can, could have potentially a good day. Another sleeper pick who, you know, I think could crack top five is uh, Joshua D'Souza from the Newmarket Huskies. He just came off a good run at the NCAA championships uh, last weekend and, you know, shows that he's in shape and it's, there's nothing better than going into nationals kind of knowing that you have that fitness and that confidence from a, from a, a major meet like that. And now let's talk about on the women's side, obviously it's not quite as deep a field this year as an exceptional men's side that just happened to come through the ranks. But looking to the women's side, maybe starting individually, who would be some of your favorites, names for people to watch out for? I think a few interesting storylines going to the women's side is uh, Belinda Elmore is coming back to race cross. I mean, you know, you have Canada's second fastest women's marathoner in, in history, you know, coming back to race a, a hard 10K. So it should be interesting to see kind of how she how she runs and kind of where she positions herself in the early stages of the race. Uh, obviously, you know, she's, she's got an Olympic qualifying time for Paris next year and the course is known to be really hilly. So I do think this is a smart decision for Melindy kind of, kind of prep her and build that kind of strength and adversity ahead of uh, a spring build into the Olympic marathon next August. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you have, Former youth sports champion Jesse LaCourse running as well. Kat Bushman, who was on LaCourse's second fiddle on the Laval team for a bit. NCAA steeplechase uh, runner uh, Kaylee McCabe, who kind of won, I think she won Nutty Comb a few years back as well. So, uh, you know, a lot of up and coming runners and some seasoned veterans as well. Leslie Sexton is also racing. Uh, uh, the women's 10k as well so you know it should be an interesting race to kind of see who you know we might have a rising star come up and win their first canadian national title we might have a seasoned veteran kind of coming back to cross country and winning so i think there's a, a storyline to come out of it well yeah you mentioned it there too right in terms of rising stars we might look at this lineup a few years from now and go oh wow that was a real projection of where elite running on the women's side was heading in canada yeah, I know for sure. And, uh, you know, you can't, there's, there's a lot of, again, a lot of good talent coming out of youth sports and, and, you know, I think we'll kind of see a rising female stars on Saturday. And what about on the team side, Marley? Uh, the Thunderbirds, uh, they're absolutely loaded. They just came off uh, youth sports championship and they all train outside of UBC with the Thunderbirds club uh, under Steve Weiler, Weiler as well. Katie Newlove, 2023 U Sports champ. Uh, Leslie Sexton is also running for them. Kiana Gibson, uh, who, was, who used to run with Guelph and then uh, transferred to UBC, has also moved to Vancouver and started training with them. So they're completely kind of loaded on that side, and I I, I can't see them losing on uh, on Saturday. They're, they're gonna, probably going to take gold, but there'll be some good challenges as well. Laval has a really good team with LaCourse and Boucherman kind of leading that way as well. And uh, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't knock them. They made the podium last year. Monarch Athletics Club, my my team, the women's team's really, really deep this year. There's a few runners coming up from the NCAA to join them, and some really, they're really consistent and have some high depth at the front. So I think they'll kind of squeeze in for bronze and repeat as bronze uh, champions. And I think a big and a very interesting trend this season in particular is the return for a lot of runners to cross country after perhaps a long hiatus. I sort of have a two-part question for you, maybe starting with why the long break for some of these runners? I mean, we mentioned Kieran Lum earlier, but he's just one of many that's sort of returning after focusing on track and shorter distances for quite a while. Do you think it's maybe just a factor of, okay, well, this is 
the introduction to the sport for a lot of people. And you sort of feel like you might evolve past it. And then you sort of learn to reap those benefits later and go, oh, cross is actually the best tool to have a great spring season. Or what, what do you think is drawing these guys back? Yeah, I mean, again, there's nothing better than building sort of that cross strength and having that kind of going into it. Like 24 is a big, 2024 is a big year. There's world indoors, uh, there's the Olympics. So there's a lot of like, you know, events for these elite Canadian athletes to kind of look forward to and start building that strength for. And coming off of a cross season and a high mileage build into uh, indoor track, it's just, you just have that kind of strength right and as kind of lump uh kieran lump put on you know last week's podcast is everyone kind of gets their start in cross as well you know in high school and competing and i feel like when you spend some time away from it if, after a few years you start to miss it and you know it's uh it's it's competitive and there's that team aspect of it you know running is a very individual sport but to have cross country and run for a team and and be competitive out there i think it you know it it get, it's a fun aspect that kind of drives a lot of these athletes to come back. Yeah, that's such a great point too, right? Because you hear a lot of athletes refer to the team element of it and running can be such a lonely endeavor when you're at that elite level. And for a lot of these women and men to go back again to their homeschool teams, their hometown teams and race alongside people that they're quite familiar with. You know, you mentioned Lum, like going back to UBC after leaving for Washington and training in the States, like there is sort of that, comfort factor to end a year i'm sure oh 100 i mean you know he, he as, as he put it on last week's podcast that you know he was he's psyched to be back and training with the guys and you know there's no better aspect and you know you obviously want to do well individually but you know being able to win a, a title with your team there's there's no better feeling right and it's 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 like it's like when you get an a plus on a group project right it's like it's nice to receive one on your own but when you do it together it just makes the celebration a lot better right yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes in those projects, one person's not pulling their weight cross <laughs> cross is not that game, right? Like, you know, everyone is getting put through the ringer. And it does bring the training group together even that much more. Yeah. And and this this course is we chatted about before is, is super challenging, and it'll bring the best out of you. Mm. So it's, it should be interesting to see, you know, uh, how some of these elite athletes will perform on it. Yeah, and just to dive in just slightly more to the course element, because that does play such a role in a race. Ottawa is known for that in particular. To close this out, Marley, on the men's side and the women's side, are there runners that you think will be particularly well positioned for a good performance on this difficult track like you mentioned last year connor black really focused on the hills or someone like a cpt that's just has so many races under his belt who do you think is going to be acclimatized to that sort of grind yeah i mean i think i think this course fares well for a lot of the quebec guys and and you know who kind of train on in quebec city on the plains of abraham uh, it's 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 insanely hilly. It's five 2K loops with uh, a massive climb up uh, the Mooney's Bay Hill. Um, so you know it's 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 a tough grind. And they, they did, I they did change the course up this year. I mean they they had a little beach aspect last year that I'm pretty sure that they've looped around it this year to kind of make the course a little bit faster. But yeah, it's it's a tough hill to climb. I say to you know a lot of people in Toronto that it's like climbing Riverdale twice. Uh, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's tough and it's going to, you know, it's going to kind of fare well for those kind of 5,000 meter runners. So I do think, you know, so for someone like Jean-Simon Gagnier, this 
this course really kind of suits his strengths. You see it kind of work well for a lot of steeplechase runners as well. So I think on the women's side, like Kaylee McCabe, like this, like, I think she might be one of the favorites in the women's race on, on Saturday as well, just from that sort of steeplechase background. Because again, it's a lot of change of pace, a lot of change of rhythm, a lot of change of cadence. So, you know, there's no kind of better track event translate to, you know, this hard 10K course than the 3000 meter steeplechase itself. Well, obviously, I legitimately cannot wait to watch this race and follow along. Recommend everyone follow at Canadian Running to keep up with all of Marley's updates. He will be on the scene covering it live. Yeah, we'll be live tweeting, shooting live video of the event and uh, having you know post-race interviews with the athletes. So yeah, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. And Marley, before you take off, I want to use some of these rundowns to highlight some of the biggest articles of the week. So obviously, we had a few fantastic headlines, the anniversary of one of the biggest articles in the history of the magazine as well. So I want to touch on just a few stories before you take off and maybe point people to the full stories online. To start, I'll read the headline and then I'll ask you just to give us a little more background on it to give people a little bit of a teaser of what they can read in the magazine. Philadelphia Marathon issues apology after race runs out of medals. Marley, I feel like we've seen a few major races take huge swings and misses at some of these major opportunities, especially this is the 30th anniversary of the marathon. Marley, for such a big race, how does this even happen? What was going through the mind of race organizers? I honestly, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously like it's, it's, I imagine it's tough and, you know, marathoning is just such, such a boom right now. And, you know, the race has been sold out for a couple months now and yeah, the half was full, full, full was full. The, there was a few spots and I think the AK, but you know, it's, it's, I guess they just anticipated that to be people that wouldn't show up and, you know, just less than a thousand people were just left without medals, which is the toughest thing. And obviously, you know, it's not, people at the front that are gone without medals. It's a lot of the people that are completing the first half marathon. So a lot of people finishing their half marathon in over two hours and 30 minutes. So, which is tough. These people train just as hard as the people at the front. And, you know, this is a major goal for them. And, and having that experience when you cross the finish line and getting the medal around your neck, like it's rewarding, right? And it's, and it kind of takes away from that. You know, it's probably really tough for a lot of these people because they're not going to get that moment back. Yeah, that's such a good point, too, that I didn't really even think about, because I think yesterday in the office, we were, I was at least chuckling a little bit at just the absurdity of the race doing some sort of cost-benefit analysis of being like, okay, we can save X amount of dollars on sort of gambling that some people are not going to show up to the race. And that, of course, just seems ridiculous obviously didn't work out because they're going to be sending these people medals and plus a discount code for a future race so obviously they're in the red in that sense but then in another sense what you just pointed out there is that a lot of the people who did not get medals this was i'm sure for a lot of them their first race or they were going out on a limb like running some of those longer times again you mentioned it they're training just as much as anyone else and to think that this might be an alienating experience for another race down the line, that's the real heartbreaking part. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it hasn't come out what Philly is going to offer these participants that did not get the medal, but you know, they're going to have to give some sort of discount or some sort of incentive to next year's race. And who knows if they will even come back. Like, you know, it's running, running, you know, 13.1 miles or 21 kilometers is tough. It's not easy. No matter where you finish in the race, you want, you want that rewarding experience and to not have that. I, I, 
you know, I imagine it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. And uh, I mean, kudos on the race that coming out and admitting that they're wrong and, and releasing a statement within a couple, like couple hours after they made a mistake, but you know, looking back, yeah, I bet you the organizers are re regretful that they, they didn't, they didn't order more. Yeah, they handled it well. That's the way to do it. Rip the bandaid off to say, okay, hand up. We messed up. Sometimes you see there's finger pointing and it gets dragged into a bigger story than it needs to be. They did a good job of cleaning it up. But to any race organizers listening, anyone from the CRS listening, this is a PSA. Just buy buy enough medals. It'll, it'll work <laughs> out in the end. We promise you. Now, to jump into a bit more of a, <laughs> I was going to say feel-good story. I suppose this is just... One of the more absurd stories I've ever come across in the running world, it's a one year later, a look back at a story you wrote, headline, The Phenomenon of Uncle Chen and His Chain Smoking Marathon. Marley, a lot of people out of context. Well, I mean, I suppose for the two people on earth that haven't read the story, that's a confusing amount of context. Maybe could you give them a rundown of who Uncle Chen is, what a chain smoking marathon entailed and sort of how this story ended up blowing up into one of the most popular pieces uh, in the site's history. Yeah. So, uh, uncle Chen is this 50 year old marathoner from, uh, from, from China. And he, last year, he kind of broke the internet. I hate using the term, but I'm, I mean, that's kind of what he did. You know, I, I, I was, I came into work on a, on a Tuesday in the middle of November. And obviously this time of year, race kind of a lot of road races of, Kind of slowed down, but you know, in in China and a lot of countries kind of closer to the equator, it's 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 marathon season. So I was I was kind of scanning scanning the internet, looking for kind of like a a story ish, and then I came across this guy smoking while running, and I was like, this is odd. I started kind of translating things, and like it says, you know, he ran a three twenty eight marathon while smoking. I'm like, oh my god. So I came across it on a, a Chinese kind of thread site called Weibo, which is like kind of like Reddit. And then I, I started by translating a bunch of stuff. And as I came across and began searching his name, I, I realized he's been doing this for a couple of years now. Um, and once I was able to match up the result and the race that he did it at, I was like, oh, my God. I said to my, my, my colleague, Ann, I was like, we have a massive story here. We have something that like, you know, is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I think his 328 marathon only missed the Boston qualifying time by like three minutes for his age group. So, I mean, it's, it's impressive feat. And, um, um, you know, after the fact, he's kind of come out and said that like, you know, he's only, he only had a couple cigarettes during the race, but I think if you, if you smoke more than two, we can, we can call it chain smoking. So I know they don't allow water vests. How do they feel about cigarettes on the Boston Marathon course? Do we have that um, information confirmed? Uh, yeah, it's not allowed. Not allowed. Okay. That's a hard no. Now, I think yeah. the funny part of this story is he wasn't looking for virality. He sort of just wanted to do everything he could to, okay, let, let everything die down. Let the publicity sort of find its level and just sort of stay out of the spotlight. Was that your experience? Yeah, no, I, I tried reaching out to him and I, I had a contact close to him and he, they said pretty much like, yeah, he, he doesn't want to come out in the public. Like he doesn't want to be famous for this or known for this. He says in kind of his village that, you know, he's received a lot of kind of lashback for, for kind of pulling off this stunt. And it's, it's apparently in sort of his, his province that it's very, 
I frowned upon to be kind of like a joke in Western media. And I think that's mm. a lot, what a lot of people kind of saw it as was like, Oh my God, look at this guy smoking in a marathon. Like they saw it as kind of like a satirical joke. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of got a lot of hate from that um, yeah. in the Chinese media, which is, which is tough. And it's nothing that I kind of wanted to turn it into, but um, a lot of times when stories like this go viral or someone's doing something that's completely unbelievable, it's, it's hard to stop. Oh, 100%. And I think, too, the important part from our perspective is, oh, no, from sort of all of the readership's perspective from Canadian running, and I know our, our staff as well, is we were all sort of laughing with Uncle Chen. And it's not sort of like, oh, my gosh, this is absurd. That No, this is an incredible feat and such a sort of hilarious contrast. Um, so, again, I empathize with wanting to stay out of the spotlight, um, but I think everyone who did sort of find entertainment or joy in the story was doing it from a, a really like sort of loving way. Yeah. And honestly, like I, there were, there were the thing that I find is, you know, with a lot of our stories, it'll touch the Canadian running community. Like it will reach them. Um, but you know, there are people that, that read this story that, you know, a guy I was sitting beside on the subway that I looked over and he was reading the article. So, I mean, there was, you know, it was reaching the hands of people that you would normally not even, not even know Canadian running or read Canadian running. I mean, a Barstool Sports even quoted us being like Canadian running magazine who I didn't even know existed. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I was bringing people to uh, our website and, and reading our articles that, you know, I normally wouldn't visit. So it was kind of cool to kind of see that happen as well. And if anyone, again, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably read the story when it came out. You probably read the one-year anniversary recap. But if you have not, I highly recommend you going to check that one out uh, because it is well worth the deep dive. Now, a story that hits a little bit closer to home, Canadian Sprinter raises 15000 in three days to support his mother's cancer battle. Obviously, this is such a feel-good, inspiring story from this young son. Now, how did you come across this story? And can you give us a little bit of a rundown of what this runner is doing to support his mother? So Miles Mizzles Daly, he's a 400 meter uh, runner for UCLA. Um, He's from Hamilton. His his mother was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer uh, early this year. um, And unfortunately had to, you know, going through the treatment, she had to, you know, quit her job and, and focus on getting well. And Miles is entering his last year at UCLA uh, training there. And obviously, you know, 2024 is a big athletic year. Um, so it's, he's, you know, thousands of miles away from his mom. And, you know, she's obviously, you know, going through it all and going through treatment. And, you know, the toughest thing is, you know, he wants to help out. He, he couldn't, he wants to be there and be able to help his mom. But, you know, he's, he didn't kind of couldn't really find a way to do it from, just, you know, thousands of miles away. So he created this GoFundMe. Um, and it just really kind of took off within, yeah, within three days, they raised over $15,000. I think it's over $21,000 right now. So just an exceptional amount of money, um, just shows really too just the Canadian track and field community, just coming together to support, you know, the athletes and, and some, someone that's just going through, going through a tough time. Again, everyone can seek out that story on our website and be linked to um, the fundraising page from there as well. Obviously, such a good cause to uh, to look into and support. Marley, to close us out, 
you had the chance to review a new daily trainer out on the market. I want to gauge your thoughts. Me personally, I've not had the chance, honestly, to run in a lot of Brooks. So I'm curious, how does it compare to other daily trainers? So this is Brooks's like really first kind of max cushion lightweight ride. It is, again, sort of their everyday shoe that you can do a bit of everything in. I mean, it's it's I love it for just the easy days, the long runs. It's something that feels super comfortable, a completely seamless upper as well fits well. Um, so if you're a neutral runner with so that sort of like high arch kind of midfoot striker, um, uh, it's, you know, it's an ideal, I'd say go, go to a local running store, kind of try it on. Um, it is really, again, made for those easy days and we'll kind of, you know, it, even like after running a hundred K in the shoes, the shoes still feel pretty brand new. So mm. I would definitely recommend them. Yeah. And again, like you and I, I'm sure if I were to look in your shoe closet, you're the same as me. They're piling <laughs> up to the ceiling, driving my girlfriend nuts. I got 10 different shoe racks full of daily trainers for people who maybe don't want to build up a massive rotation and are just looking for a good, solid, versatile shoe. Is this high up in the recommendations? Because I know, you know, there are some like, oh, maybe I won't mention any names that are just so nice and soft and cushiony and i'm not really going to be able to do any speed work on them or the inverse where they're not really built to tackle a good solid long run where does a shoe fit in a rotation and how versatile can it be yeah i think i think brooks's idea with this was to make sort of like in the market right now there's a real need for that sort of everything shoe and every brand sort of coming out with that and this is what the ghost max is is that it's that lightweight high cushion sort of everything shoe. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're doing a little bit of pickups or if you're doing uh, sort of an easy 30 minute run, or if you're doing, uh, you know, going out for 20 K, you know, Brooks Max is able to kind of do that for you and, you know, kind of give you that versatility and uh, in your lineup. So I'd say, you know, if you're, if you're just looking for like an everything shoe and you want to keep, you know, keep the cost down and, you know, kind of just have that speed shoe and everyday training shoe that the Brooks Ghost Max is, is, is something you should definitely try. It is, yeah, it's exceptional, super plush. It, it feels really, really good. Looks clean as hell. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it, it, it yeah, it's the white is crisp. Uh, and again, you could probably come if you're in Toronto. You know, you could probably walk down Osington and get a few glances on those as well. <laughs> um, but you know, it's uh, yeah, it's a great shoe, and it's 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 kind of has that versatility too. I mean, it's great for the trails, great for the roads. Uh, you know, if you're using it as a kind of a warm up shoe for your track works that workouts as well, it'll kind of give you that sort of soft feel, plush feel for kind of some pickups too. Marley, as always, thank you so much for your insights. Again, if people want to read those recent stories, go check them out on the website and be sure to follow us on socials. Uh, again, Marley's going to be in Ottawa covering the cross country nationals live on the scene. There's going to be tons of coverage. Watch out for his written recap coming out later this week. And then, of course, a, a recap post-race is, is going to be out as well. So, Marley, thank you so much for taking the time. No, thanks for having me on again, David. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning into our cross-country championship preview with Marley. Again, if you like this episode, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating if you think we deserve it and follow at Shaco Podcast on social media to keep up to date with all of our upcoming interviews. 
if you made it this far, I'll give you a little bit of a teaser. Next week, we have one of the most decorated, dominant Olympians in Canadian running history on the program. An absolute star guest that I cannot wait for you to listen to. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, don't forget to follow at Canadian Running for Marley's live coverage from Ottawa this weekend, as well as the rest of our stories coming down the pipeline. But for now, happy running, and I'll see you next. It's their northerly neighbours, and somehow, after an awful year of injury...